Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. Have we met before? No. What's your name? My name is Very nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Krishnam, how are you? Good. So, any questions tonight? Yes. Okay, I hope I sound coherent. I think I have something. Okay. Um, We've all got something. Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. Oneness. Simultaneously one and different. Do we need the oneness before we can have our relationship with Krishna? And why is there so little emptiness on that half, the oneness part? And um, will it just happen, our relationship, without working specifically for the oneness part? And um, is there a fear of getting stuck in the oneness? Okay, I think I understand your question. <laughs> um, you're thinking about the beta-beta equation of uh, the Jiva Goswami term that Jiva Goswami has invoked to um, um, describe our metaphysical worldview. But there's an important word, beta-beta means one and different, and achintya. So achintya beta-beta. And um, we'll come to that, but if I understand correctly, the way you're thinking about it is that the oneness aspect is, pertains, the way you're thinking about it, to the jivatma, realizing that it's not the body, and in that sense, one with the Godhead being consciousness, like the Godhead is consciousness rather than matter. And if that's required to be realized first before one can enter into what you're thinking of as the, the, the bade, the difference, which constitutes a relationship with Krishna. And, if I understand correctly, you're asking along the same lines, almost to reiterate the question, that if you, one sadhaka doesn't go about trying to realize the oneness as you're thinking about it, um, will the difference as you're thinking about it in terms of a relationship with Krishna happen automatically or not, right? Okay. Okay. Well, I would say, first of all, there's more to the the Achinti Beta Beta idea um, than that. And and we could talk about that, but um, we could also put that aside for a moment and um, address your question, which could also be perhaps phrased 
does one have to become a self-realized person first, understanding the Atma, in order to then enter into a relationship with Krishna? And if you don't do that, is it relationship is going to happen automatically in the context of bhakti? Can I just say one thing? I understand that if we are cultivate, I mean, we're all cultivating a relationship with Krishna. I mean, I feel I have a relationship with Krishna, but I am talking about, yeah, the five main spiritual relationships. Process. Right. I mean, you know, I talk to Krishna and... um, I don't necessarily hear Krishna talking to me, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have some relationship, but I'm talking about the other five, the five process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Right. Um, of course, there are disciplines that are aimed at um, um, pursuing Atmananda, Merging with uh, Brahman that are separate from from bhakti, mm-hmm. and they very much emphasize um, this. Uh, there's what tat parartha tvam parartha. So you know these two tatvamasi. You know the Vedic, uh, the Vedantic uh, uh, aphorism tatvamasi. So tat and tvam. Tat means that, and tvam means you. And you here means the self. So you are that. You are his. That tat could be, and perhaps better translated, his. You are his. Hmm? Right? Um, so there's you and there's him. Um, it's us and him. <laughs> and um, and so there are the the tradition of gyan, uh, as opposed to bhakti, is fully preoccupied with. The um, the knowledge, if you will, of as Prabhupada would would refer to it, the qualitative oneness between the Atma and Brahman, with no emphasis or any consideration of 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 there being any f- further nuanced difference, absolute um, kind of a monism. So they're fully focused on self-realization. And so let's look at it like that for a minute, because if they were fully preoccupied with that, what would happen to them um, outside of bhakti? If they completely, by their practice, sadhana, in that discipline, were to, uh, through knowledge, destroy the karmic bondage hmm, and be self-realized, have no have be pure. Gyan can only enter a pure heart. Therefore, Krishna recommends nishkam karma to purify the heart. Then gyan will come. Then you can sit, meditate, and so forth. So, so by purifying the heart, cheta darpana marjanam. This is what Mahaprabhu talked about in the beginning in the context of bhakti, cleansing the heart. But if you cleanse the heart independently of bhakti then it's not that some relationship with Krishna is going to pop out all of a sudden. Hmm? That's not going to happen. Because our relationship with Krishna is derived from our association. So 
when we, by association with sadhus, what happens is we get impressions of bhakti. Hmm? They don't come from us. Bhakti is constitutive of Krishna's internal energy. We're constitutive of Krishna's marginal energy. And then there's the material energy. So we're atma, satchitananda, a little bit, anu, not big enough to overcome the influence of maya. Hmm? But if we get a a um, some greater capital from bhakti, then we can easily destroy maya, dispel maya, because maya can overwhelm, because bhakti can overwhelm even Krishna. Hmm? To speak of dispel maya, Krishna in Vrindavan is the absolute overwhelmed by bhakti. Hmm? Right? <laughs> so, uh, so, Sadhu Sangha is the birth of bhakti, and it's the seed then of the bhava, the rasa, that we will attain. So, association that we get over lifetimes, that, that, that will determine, it's understandable. If someone is steeped in Madhurya rasa or in Sakya rasa, for example, and preaching to us, explaining to us, teaching us, initiating us, and so on and so forth. It's not that their bhava is not going to have an effect. It's affecting everything that they do, right? It's the orbit around which their movements are are, are, are turning. So that bhava is going to affect us, invisibly. It's going to create impressions on our chitta, which has many material impressions on it, which causes us to act habitually, robotically, in different ways uh, that aren't uh, favorable for bhakti. So when we come in touch with sadhus, gradually and invisibly there's this transmission of samskars. Samskars are impressions. Impressions come from outside and they impress on us. Impressions are not inherent, they come from outside. And so we get material samskars if we associate with alcoholics and whatnot, then we may you know, develop some scar for, for drinking. Hmm? So, so uh, if we were to simply pursue self-realization independent of bhakti by some other method, hmm? and there are other methods out there, and we were successful in becoming self-realized, a little, a little gopi wouldn't pop out all of a sudden. Right? <laughs> but the atma would be freed from the material influence hmm? and relieved considerably. That would be his bliss. Relieved that I don't have to die. I'm not hunting anymore, so no one's chasing me anymore. Uh, so, um, so we need the ingress of bhakti in order to have that potential, which we have, but we're only part of the equation, right? So if we have the ingress of bhakti into our lives, then in conjunction with that, we have the potential to be a player in the Leela of Krishna, in Dasya Sakya Basali, relative to our association and the Sampradaya that we're in. So, um, um, now we're all devotees, so we have that influence in our life from the very beginning. There's the seed, right? And as we, as we practice, um, the, the, the fact that we're not the body, which is kind of what you're talking about, and the need to realize that, that should come about naturally. You're asking if the rasa will come about naturally. 
without endeavoring to realize that you're not the body, so to speak. But the two are really not distinct, because if you're endeavoring to realize uh, love of Krishna, then in the context of that, you're, you're also endeavoring to deconstruct the material ego, as we were talking about last night. So bhakti includes within it an emphasis on purifying the atma, and it does so different than jnana or yoga does as disciplines, transcendental disciplines, because it does so in the context of giving us a window of opportunity to enter into to not Brahmananda, but Rasananda. Hmm? So, therefore, it in itself is the most powerful means to dispel the bodily conception of life, free us from that uh, kind of contamination. Hmm? And that is a byproduct of the bhakti. Hmm? Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has explained in Shikshastakam, as I cited just a moment ago, Cheto Dharpana Marjanam. This is the, kind of the beginning of his, his the, the method to his madness, means cleansing the chitta, hmm? where the, all these material samskars are stored, material impressions, vrittis, and then they coagulate that together to make a samskar that forms a habit and so forth. Hmm? So, to, so the way in which um, we mm, clean, as he said, in his, uh, the mirror of the mind or the chitta hmm, is by putting bhakti on it. Hmm? So it's wholly positive, if you will, rather than a emphasis on removal. Um, therefore, Jiva Goswami says that jnana and vairagya, jnana here meaning knowledge of the atma, and it's qualitative of sorts, one with, one is with, with, with Brahman, and the corresponding detachment, vairagya, are not angas, limbs of bhakti. Hmm. Um, but that knowledge comes about in the context of bhakti, so it's kind of the opposite of what you're thinking in one sense, that um, you're thinking if we don't pursue first self-realization, how will we attain Arasa with Krishna. If you don't pursue Arasa with Krishna, how will you attain self-realization? There are other ways, but they're more they're more arduous, less user-friendly, less efficacious, less powerful. Hmm? Um, as I said last night, using a, a worn uh, phrase, the best uh, defense is a good offense. So bhakti is like Let's take vairagya, detachment. Hmm? That's the corollary of knowledge, right? Do you understand what I mean? So if ignorance is, I'm attached to things, and I'm pursuing enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure, that's just ignorance. Hmm? So this is karma. We move in pursuit of material acquisition to think that our position will be bettered, improved, but it just gets worse. We didn't read the fine print. We purchased, and we owe, and we owe interest as well, and so forth. So we're going deeper into debt. Um, karma is movement, but there's no knowledge in it. 
Jnana is knowledge and there's no movement in it. <laughs> there's no action in it. Because if you know there's no happiness inherent in matter, neither do any of its forms or manifestations endure. There's, there's, there's no security there for hanging on to them either. Then why should I move? And all movement is in pursuit of such. Hmm? So jnana is... There's no action in jnana, and in karma, there's no knowledge, so to speak. Hmm? Uh, so, in both of these, karma and jnana, they are under the influence, respectively, of rajaguna and sattvaguna. So, they're even even they cannot be efficacious in the full sense of the term without some ingress of bhakti. Just to emphasize the efficacy of bhakti, which is nirguna, whose power is, is to get to, to the other side, you need something from that side. The instruments, the tools from this side, the currency from this side is all counterfeit. And the currency that arises out of the gunas is counterfeit. It has no purchasing power in a land uh, where there is no death. Hmm? So we need some grant, if you will, from that side. Hmm? Even within other disciplines like jnana and so forth, to realize the goal of atmananda or, or to attain mukti in, in the form of, say, brahmananda, the bliss of brahman, identify with that. So, um, so the path of bhakti is really, really is about, as as explained by our Goswamis, um, about attaining uh, prem. Prem is the prayojan. Prem means bhakti rasa. And again, what type of prem? That depends on what kind of sampradaya we're in. The sampradayas, they all have a certain explanation of, of of the nature of existence. The Ramanujas have an explanation, they call it Vishishta Dvaita. Right? The the Madhvas have an explanation, they call it Dvaitavad. The Balabas, uh, Vishnu Swami, they have an explanation called Sudadvaita. Shankar has his Advaita. Our, we have our uh, Achintya Beda. Nimbarka has Beda Beda, not Achintya. Beda Beda. Sometimes one, sometimes different. Ours is interpenetrating oneness and difference, which is kind of transrational, if you will, uh, or Achintya. So these are different world views, different, and, and, and they all have some currency for explaining the nature of reality, revealing something about the nature of reality. Hmm? And they have a corresponding then to the extent that they reveal in their uh, uh, trajectory and, 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 and take us to their trajectory of practice to a sadhya, a sadhana to a sadhya. Hmm? That sadhya is going to correspond with the, with the sadhana which is going to arise out of the ground of the tattva, the philosophy. Hmm? So we have a particular ground that we're of being, uh, getting our feet on, so to speak. That's the Chintu Beta Beta. Hmm? And out of that dispensation of Mahaprabhu, certain rasas are available, possible. It's not like you will practice in Gaudiya Sampradaya and you will attain any, 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 any bhav. If you want to attain uh, Vaikuntha, there are some Sampradayas for that. Hmm? Right? Hmm? If you want to attain 
Sakibhav of Swakya, hmm, rather than Parakya, then you go to the Nimbarka Sampradaya. That's for that. If you want to attain Vatsali Rasa, Mahaprabhu blessed Balava, you can teach that. Hmm. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving Madhurya Rasa, and Nityananda Prabhu is with him. He's full of Sakya Rasa. So these are the windows of opportunity that come to us through the Sampradaya. Hmm? And that we see throughout the Sampradaya, uh, we got the, uh, our acharyas hmm? influenced by these, by these bhavas, tasting these, these rasas. So, um, if we understand properly, and it may take some time, we need to hear and so forth, then uh, we kind of, theoretically, with the help of our guru, we can fix our goal. Hmm? Hmm? And then, it's like I sometimes say, if you go to the mall and you want to go to the room 108, you look on the map, it says room 108 is over here. And what else does it say on the map? It says, and you are here. So you need to know both things. Hmm? And then when you know that you're here and you have to go there, then you have to know where to step next, right, to go there. But, but I want to say the center of our practice is about where we're going. When I was young, in L.A., in New Dwarka, there was a guy, now I forget his name, oh, who was it? He was a brahmacharya at the time. Anyway, I was newer, and he came up to me and he said, you know, most of the devotees go to Vaikuntha. They don't go to Goloka Vrindavan. And I said, no, it can't be. I cried. I went in front of the deity. I said, no. That's not. Then I, later I realized, he's wrong about that. <laughs> This is not a Vaikuntha Sampradaya. This is a, we want Krishna. Hmm. In Vrindavan, that Krishna, the one standing next to Radha, who, if she is the full expression of love, then he must, in that form, that he's the object of her love, must be the fullest expression of, of the, the perfect object of love, because her love is perfect. So the object that corresponds with her love must be the perfect form of love. That's Krishna in Vrindavan, Jai Radhe. Hmm. So, so it's our ideal, right? Either to become a handmaiden of Radha or to become an insubordinate assisting role like a friend of Krishna, some of whom are also engaged in his romantic life, assisting him in Radha and so forth. So these, uh, it's important to kind of lay these ideals out. Hmm? You have to see, you have to think, Krishna's friends, like Prabhupada had st strong affinity for, for Krishna, in Sakyarasa. These people in Sakyarasa, Sukadeva Goswami said about them, Kritapunja Punja, this is a favorite verse of Prabhupada, Kritapunja Punja, that's the end of it. What kind of people are they? Sukadeva was saying, in the Brahmavi Mohan Lila, when, when they're, they're, he was witnessing through Spurti their intimacy with Krishna and writing about, speaking about it to Parikshit Maharaj. He said, what kind of people are they? They can be intimately associated with Krishna in this way. They must have, for lifetimes, cultivated a, a special kind of sadhana to attain this position. It's so extraordinary. And it's so extraordinary because it's so much what Krishna is about, or Madhurya Rasa, same. Hmm? Or uh, Yashoda's love, too. I mean, what's extraordinary about it is that, again, 
these types of love have Krishna like becoming a becoming a son, God becoming a son, God becoming a friend, God becoming a a lover. It's the power of bhakti, and this is really what Krishna is all about. So people approach God for different things, mostly for things. Some people approach him to get away from things and to get eternal life. Some people approach him because they heard he was God and he should be worshipped, and dutifully they do so. But this is all boring to Krishna. Who's interested in what makes him tick, what his life is about? This is a very that's it's like I've given an example before. We're very much dependent upon the sun. If it didn't come up tomorrow, it'd be a big problem, right? The world would, what would happen, right? So if it didn't go down, set tonight, huge problem. So we we depend upon it for for to have our minds enlivened, to um, get health and vitality from it. The vegetation it evaporates the waters and pours them down for 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 growth and so forth. So we're so dependent upon the sun. Hmm? It's a good analogy. If you would think of the sun represents God. Where would we be without the sun? But mostly when we talk about it like this, the thinking is, yes, God is very gracious. He's providing all these things for us and so forth. Hmm? That's not bad. But in the context of that, if someone were to think, let's say we were all sun worshippers, right? And we were all thinking, the sun is God. Without the sun, we could make a whole, you know, volumes of books. What could we do? How dependent we are. How merciful the sun is. Sometimes it gets a little angry too. And it gets really bright. And it gets hot. And sometimes he backs off a little bit. But, but, but pretty much, you know, we, the book would be about what he does for us. And thank you, and thank you, and thank you. And if in the context of all of this, suddenly somebody said, you know, what I was wondering is like, not what what he does for us, but what we can do for him. What we can do for the sun? What are you talking about? What can we do for the sun? <laughs> you know, it's the sun. What can we do for the sun? Well, I get this feeling that there's this, that there's these explosions going on in the sun. It's got a life. These nuclear explosions. And what's that about? But don't think about that. We can't talk about that. That's the sun. <laughs> so this is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We want to know. What's going on there in the inner life of God? Some news about that has leaked out. The nature of the of the leela itself has caused a leak. You understand? Krishna's rasa raj, so he's a king of rasa. He's tasting rasa like nobody, but in the rasa leela, he experiences the fact that that the the gopis and Radha in particular taste rasa more than him. So, this is like, puts him in a kind of an existential crisis. Mm-hmm. I thought I was Rasa Raj. Rupa Goswami said that I was the, <laughs> the Supreme Godhead because I was Akila Rasa Amrita Murti, the form of rasa itself. But Radha is tasting rasa more than me. So he has to think about this. And he realizes that there's, it is something in him that she sees that makes her the way she is, which is attractive to him. So he wants to experience that thing in himself, and to do that he needs another leela, that is Gaur leela. That's the leak then in Krishna leela. So the, opportun- the news about that world 
leaks into this world. It overflows from Krishna's pursuit of that experience in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so this is to be heralded, that there's life on the sun. Hmm? And it's 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 way it's better than here, you know, something like that. So, so, so the point being here that those who understand this properly, they want to be this, uh, live with the associates of Krishna, be an associate of Krishna, and this is not a selfish desire because these people turn Krishna on. They make his world go round. They're interested in him only, not in what he can do for us, but what we can do. For him, hmm, to quote a famous American statesman from our generation, so something like that. So this is a very, uh, he, he, it's like, what, you're interested in me? What I'm about? Come. <laughs> Nobody cares. Here I am. And of course, he's got his associates and so forth, but the door is open. So this is to walk through. So. We should have this ideal in mind, and in the context of that, self-realization, the oneness that you talk about, it's a very rudimentary thing. Of course, yes, you have to pass through that stage, hmm? but we don't have to pay separate attention to that. Let's let's give an example. I said that 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 vairagya detachment is a corollary of gyan. So if you have knowledge, hmm, then you're going to be detached rather than attached, which is ignorance, attached to things, again, that you can't keep. And what are you looking for? Enduring happiness. They don't have any inherent happiness in them, and they're here today and gone tomorrow. So if you want enduring happiness, you're really looking in the wrong place for that, right? So that's ignorance. That's karma. Then knowledge is, well, then detachment. Hmm? So now we have to become detached too, right, as devotees. So how so how are we going to become detached? If if by and, and in not in knowledge, in a re, realized sense of our oneness with God, that we're chit, we're not chit kana, we're a particle of consciousness, not matter. How are we going to realize that if gyan and vairagi, Rupa Goswami says, are not angas of bhakti, they're not limbs of the body of bhakti? How are we going to realize it? They are limbs of the body of the of the sadhana of jnana and of yoga too. Hmm? What so? What are we going to do? Because we have to we have to become detached. We have to become in knowledge, like you say, that we're we're consciousness, not matter. Hmm? Yes, of course. Because if you love Krishna, if you develop affinity for Krishna, then as a byproduct of loving Krishna, or in the context of loving Krishna, you're going to give up things that Krishna doesn't like. If I love you, and I find and I do, and I find out that you don't like something, then I don't like it either. Right? That's how. That's kind of the law of love. Hmm? So there's a natural renunciation that arises out of the cultivation of love of Krishna. That's very powerful. Hmm? It's very powerful because it, it, it's a byproduct on the one hand, and at the same time, it enables us also to use all things in the service of Krishna, which which the jnani just gives up. Hmm? He gives up. He can't. He can't touch anything. Hmm? We can touch everything. 
<laughs> for Krishna, something like that. So this is the yukta bhaira, anasaktasya bishayanya tarho mupayunjita. Rupa Goswami explains, yukta bhaira agyam ujite. So this is um, a kind of bhairagya. There's another meaning to bhairagya. Bhairagya means detachment, but if we split it up, Vaya means special, and rag means attachment. <laughs> so a special kind of attachment hmm, that will bring about the lower thing of detachment. Hmm? Do you understand? Very naturally, very, very, almost, almost, uh, almost without trying. Hmm? So we should try to love Krishna, hmm? and in the context of loving Krishna, the oneness, as you put it. The difference between the body and the self will naturally arise. A little thought about it in the beginning is useful, obviously. Get the metaphysics right and so forth and, and so on. Um, but the, but the focus in bhakti is, is wholly, again, positive and, uh, on, 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 on loving Krishna and the detachment is a secondary thing that comes about automatically. But now, then you have to practice in that way. You have to, Cultivate um, love of Krishna, and you and you have to. The knowledge that you do have to gather is the sambandhyan, knowledge of, of of bhakti and Bhagwan, hmm? the the tatpadartha. Hmm? If you cultivate knowledge of who Krishna is, hmm? what are his qualities, right? What is he like in Vrindavan? What is he like in Mathura? What is he like in Vrindavan? Who are his expansions? All these things. Everything wonderful about him, and so forth. That knowledge about Krishna. Then about Tat, the knowledge about Tvam will come. Of course, now the Gita is very beautiful because it, 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 does, it, it, it does, along the lines of how you're thinking, speak in the first six chapters about what you are. Very flattering. You are amazing, he says. Hmm? Right? The Atma. It's a, what, you know, he concludes his whole dissertation on the eternal nature of the Atma with the words, more or less, what can I say? It's amazing. Some people say it's amazing. Some people think it's amazing. Some people experience it. It's amazing. It means like, what can you say about consciousness when there's nothing to compare it to in the world. It's not a thing. The world's made up of things. What can we compare consciousness? How do we define things by saying, well, it's like this. Well, it's like that. But neti neti. It's not like this and it's not like that. <laughs> it's not this or it's not that. It is, though. We think I'm this or I'm that, but really we are. We're not this or that, but we are which is much bigger than trying to be this or to be that. Hmm? So it's a very abstract but beautiful thing that we are as an Atma. So Krishna kind of flatters us in the first six chapters by saying, you're amazing, just see what you are. And then in the second six chapters, he appears to, to begin to talk about himself. But really he's only talking about bhakti. And in the context of talking about bhakti, of course he has to talk about himself because he's the object of bhakti, so the theological uh, chapters. So he does give a little, you're not the body, first, 
And Rupa Goswami does admit in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu a little knowledge in the beginning about the difference between Atma and 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 matter. That can be a little useful. It's something like if your car stalls, then you can get some guys to push it, and it'll start. And once it starts, whoo, right? They're pushing a little bit, and then whoo, it goes. Something like that. So a little knowledge about the, 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 and penetrating on it, the difference between consciousness and matter may be useful in the beginning, but it itself is not an anga of bhakti. Now, of course, Rupa Goswami says this, writes this, hundreds of years ago in the context of another culture hmm, um, where such ideas are not very uh, foreign, where there is a strong emphasis, for example, on the knowledge that constitutes understanding the difference between the Atma and the Self, the whole other schools of Vedanta and so forth, that he's that they're competing with, so to speak. They're, they're, they're bringing a new enterprise, the Gaudiya Sampradaya. And the prominent one is probably is Shankar's lineage, Advaita Vedanta. It's all about this, that you're not the body. There is no body. There is no, you know, and so forth. There is no. That's what it's all about. So Rupa Goswami says, we're not very much about that. Hmm. That that's not that's like yeah that's all right there's something there's a little truth to that and it could be a little useful but our just system is this we, we, so now that said we live in a different society in different times where the idea that that that, that the consciousness is is ontologically uh, you know different from the brain hmm? and it's not an outgrowth of matter. Um, and it has causal uh, properties and so forth. Th- these ideas are are competing with the dominant uh, materialistic um, worldview. Hmm? That the, the direction in which it's going is that is that human beings are machines, really. Hmm? So a little more emphasis on the difference between consciousness and matter may be appropriate in these circumstances compared to 500 years ago and, and so forth. But still, that discourse is kind of secondary and is only as necessary as someone doesn't have, doesn't on the basis of seeing the deity and the kirtan, just thinking, I'd like to just do this and do it. <laughs> And get into it, and then, then of course, they'll hear in the context of that too, and and they'll realize the difference between themselves and matter, in the context of pursuing love of Krishna. So it's a little bit the reverse of, of what you're talking about, but what you're talking about is important. And 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 that said, while it's a reverse, at the same time, it's true that you will realize yourself to be different from matter hmm, before you attain rasa with Krishna. Hmm? But your focus is on rasa. And in order to get there, well, you have to separate from matter. So we go through the different stages in bhakti. Hmm? And when you attain bhava bhakti, then then you are self-realized. Now you still have something to do because our tradition doesn't end with, with that. Hmm? Now there's the hands-on cultivation of rasa. 
It's not as hands-on in sadhana bhakti, but still, this is our ideal. We fix it up and we apply ourselves appropriately um, relative to our adhikar, our position, to attain that. So you will pass through self-realization on the way to rasa. But we don't have to focus just on self-realization here. Forget about rasa and everything like that. And and then we got that down. Now I'll turn to rasa. Hmm. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a point you wanted to raise? Yes. Um, the knowledge about the difference between body and the soul in Gita is given to us in the context of our relationship with Krishna. So considering this, uh, we know that one of the anger of uh, bhakti is actually hearing the Krishna and hearing about Krishna. So can we say that actually it is devotional service and it is bhakti, the, this knowledge which is Sambandagyan giving in the context of relationship? Uh, Sambandagyan is one thing, but angas of bhakti are another. So the point I'm making is that there is actual, actually a practice that is an anga of the gyan marg, for example, called bairagya. And so you find this naked sadhus um, and they're performing extreme bairagya, detachment. That bairagya is not a way. It's not part of our way, but it's a result of the way that we, the, the, the course that we're on. It's a byproduct of it. It's not the way. In fact, our way is the opposite. Because way we advance in bhakti is not by vairagya, but by sangha. You see, sangha is the opposite of vairagya. In other words, vairagya is giving up, moving back, stepping away. Sangha is coming together, meeting with others. In vairagya, you can't have any friends there. In bhakti, it has that power. You can you can have friends. So, so knowledge of the self detachment and so forth. Obviously these these are results of bhakti. These, this occurs in the context of cultivating bhakti. It's part of sambandhagyan, you can say, but but, but abhideya is another thing. Sambandha is one thing. Abhideya is the practice. Angas of bhakti. This is the difference. So to cultivate vairagya and as a practice and the oneness between jiva, atma, and brahman, that is not part of the abhideya, hmm? not one of the angas of bhakti. Hmm? Yes, Krishna explains you're not the body, of course. We, 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 we do that. That's, that's part of the sambandagyan. Hmm? Yeah. What is the jiva? What is maya? What is the relationship between maya and jiva? What is bhagavan? What is the relationship between bhagavan and and Maya and Jiva and so on and so forth. Hmm? But Sambandagyan is one thing, you understand. Abhideya is another thing. You think uh, you think you think Sambanda and Abhideya are the same? In the sense that Abhideya is practical application of Sambanda. Yes. Out of a certain Sambanda or conceptual orientation petition, <laughs> activities will arise. Hmm. So, in the context of bhakti, hmm, you will realize that you're not the body. That's true. But bhairagya as a discipline is not an anga of bhakti. Hmm. 
and I would be reticent if I were you to, to, to disagree with Rupa Goswami on that point, where he is explaining the Abhideya, the way, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and making this, this important, really, it's a really important distinction, because I'll tell you why. Sometimes the currents in which we are, which we are moved by in the world are boga and tyag, right? So to enjoy and to renounce. And the enjoyment and the movement is governed by karma. The knowledge of atma is governed by sattva, not nirguna, but by sattva. So knowledge is governed by sattva, action is governed by rajas, right? So the 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 actions or or, or jnana unto itself cannot give us mukti. So. Therefore, jnana and vairagya, its corollary, they, they cannot, they're not bhakti. Only bhakti can give bhakti. We want bhakti. Renunciation, detachment will come as a result of bhakti, but it cannot be the way because it's constituted of the gunas rather than of the nirguna. It's an important point. Furthermore, vairagya tends to harden the heart. Rupa Goswami makes this point. Whereas bhakti softens the heart. That's his purpose. Hmm? You, you, try to, you go meet the, some of these tyagis in the Himalayas. They're pretty mean guys, <laughs> some of them. They're pretty ornery. That's the whole, that's the whole Bhagavatam. You find, um, you know, uh, uh, Shiva's meditating and somebody agitates him and he burns him to death, right? Hmm? So it's, it's, it's a way of saying, that the jnana is, is, is repressive. Hmm? And so you're prone to anger. It, it, has, it, 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 it causes a hard heart. Jnana as a sanana, as a, it, 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 it's, it's, it, and vairagya, its corollary, are not going to help you to soften your heart and love Krishna. Now we move in this world according for Duboga and Tyag in an unsystematic way. People are renouncing things, people are chasing after things without pursuing and honing those ideas of action as it could be done according to the Veda and renunciation as it could be done according to the Veda. Hmm? Um, And so, because we're running on these two tracks of karma and jnana or boga and tyag, we come into bhakti by good association. But we come in to bhakti, and we hear from sadhus, but we're going to tend to gravitate towards a tyag or a or vairagya interpretation of bhakti or a boga interpretation of bhakti hmm, according to our background. And then certain things that are spoken about in bhakti, we're going to pick up on those. We're going to think, yeah, that's what bhakti is. Hmm? That's just natural. So you find, for example, devotees that... Um, that uh, really get into uh, renunciation, and they really speak about really their huge emphasis on on renunciation, and uh, uh, and and they can be a little mean sometimes, <laughs> and uh, and 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 uh, and Rupa Goswami says, Adikar for bhakti is not too much inclined towards renunciation, not too much inclined towards bhog, towards enjoyment. It's the middle path. Because in bhakti, you're going to have to renounce 
and you're going to have to enjoy. If you come to the temple and I say, here, please take this Mahaprasadam, you say, no, that becomes an offense. If you take it and it's a Gulabjuman, you have to enjoy it. Hmm? The Gyani will say no. Hmm? He might. That makes offense, problem. But you have to enjoy it. And sometimes it's things you will have to give up also because they're not favorable, favorable for Krishna. So we will do Gyan, excuse me, we will do Vairagya, detachment, when it's appropriate for Bhakti, hmm? in the context of Bhakti. But it's like just kind of a side affair. It just happens. If I love you, then I'm going to give up things that are not pleasing to you. So it's a very, it's a very important point of Rupa Goswami's. He makes it right in the context of explaining the angas of bhakti. And again, he's comparing it to a different path that has a different goal. Hmm? So if we incorporate things from other paths into the path of bhakti, hmm, then you're not going to get the same result. One time Pujapad Sridharmarsh was met a fellow, he told us, when he was young he met a fellow and the fellow said, yes, the ideals of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're very high. That is the highest thing, the prem. That is the highest thing. But, because it is so high, first, we have to learn the wisdom of the Buddha. Hmm? When we become accomplished in that, then we will go to the path of Shankar and learn his dispensation. And after that, we'll go to Patanjali, and, and, and then gradually we can take to the path of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And so Chidamar said, well, that's a very interesting idea, he said, but that's not what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. <laughs> so, so we go to the highest ideal, we may think, I'm not qualified for that. That's true, but you are as high as your ideal is. Hmm? If your ideal is high, then Mahaprabhu accepts you. This is his ideal. Apichet Sudarajaru. He has the high ideal. Give him, give him some slack, <laughs> something like that. It's just like you know, if you if you have a man, and he's the CEO of an eleven-story, ten-story corporation, and you are the doorkeeper in the building next door, the doorman, and it's a hundred and eight-story building. Your position is better. How can that be? You're just a doorman and he's a CEO because you could work your way up in time and become the CEO of a 108-story building and he would look like a doorman down there on story number 10 in comparison. So the prospect, the ideal, the, the, the generous dispensation that we have been blessed with, hmm, that should be embraced wholly for what it is. We don't, it's not going to be enhanced by mixing it with the past. If we want to mix, if you want to mix Gyan with Bhakti, you could do that. But that is not Ananya Bhakti. That is not the Uttam Bhakti. That is not the Sadhana of Uttam Bhakti given by Rupa Goswami. So the result will be different. And it's not a bad thing. If you want to mix Gyan with Bhakti, then you can attain Brahman, you can attain up to Shantarasa. Hmm? That's possible. That's, that would be the higher end of that. But we are, Rupa Goswami is teaching unmixed bhakti of the sadhana type, of the bhava type, and of the prema type. So you want to be uh, an uttam bhakta of the sadhana type. Hmm? That's a, you had a comment? Yes, um, my comment was not from the point of view of um, partial understanding of uh, Krishna, 
um, but from the complete understanding where there is Prayotan and there is Abhidaya and there is Sambanda. So uh, this is like the foundation that uh, we have this relationship with Krishna and its loving relationship and it is uh, executed by devotional service with the goal of pleasing Krishna. So um, my understanding is that from this point of view, uh, this understanding that we are not the body and we are servant of Krishna is part of, of, of this complete uh, process. It's part of the Samanda It's not Abhideya though. It's not an Anga of Bhakti. You don't understand the difference. Um, me, I've already explained uh, it. First I need to know the relationship to be able to operate in this relationship and I need to know the goal. So in Sambanga there is Sankarshan and Pradyumna. Sankarshan is the knowledge about uh, who is Krishna, who I, what is our relationship. Mm-hmm. which is like inspiration for me that uh, I can actually ex- have experience and that motivates me to Abhideya to like execute devotional service Sambandha Gyan gives rise to Abhideya there's no doubt about that whatever your conceptual orientation is that will give rise to certain types of activities so if your conceptual orientation is Uttam Bhakti then it will give rise to the activities that foster that type of bhakti. Hmm? But isn't it that um, when we talk about Madhurya Rasa, uh, Samantha again will be explaining uh, how this relationship looks like in the, in this particular form, and then it will be executed uh, in Abhidaya in uh, just performing this. Uh... Let me ask you this. Because yes. you, you, you somehow want to make Gyan and Bhairagya and Anga of Bhakti, part of Abhideya. See, how would you do that? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and Jnana, which is knowledge about that, I know this body without knowing I'm Krishna's servant, is useless. I mean, like, there's a little bit of value in the beginning, like, 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 like you, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not something that creates devotion in us. Uh, I have no doubt about this, and uh, I'm like... Um, Good. I agree with, with this. I see. It's not my my my, my arguing, mm-hmm. but uh, what what became interesting for me, mm-hmm. it was that uh, thought that um, when Krishna explains Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. because he's talking the Bhagavad Gita in the context contents of like complete pure devotional service, uh, that uh, this element uh, is uh, included. That uh, okay, I'm not this body. Krishna is eternal, so I need to first understand that I'm eternal to understand my, my relationship. That it will be not part of this jnana uh, which is meant for uh, those who try to attain Brahman, but it will be actually part of bhakti because uh, uh, it is um, it is part of bhakti as well in in the sense that this is the well, foundation where we starting the the whole process. Yeah, it's part of the sambandha jnana. Actually, giving you the proper <laughs> conclusion. Right. It's part of bhakti because it's part of the sambandha gyan. Hmm? That's true. But as a result of that sambandha gyan, we don't go off and practice extreme austerities and as, as, as an anga. We don't do that. What we do is we do bhakti. So it's part of the sambandha gyan. And, and again, Rupa Goswami says, in the beginning, a little knowledge of the difference between the body and the soul can be helpful. Of course. So Krishna gives a little in the beginning. It's good for jnanis, it's good for devotees, it's good for yogis. It's kind of a, a baseline thing. But the actual culture of bhairagya and oneness with Brahman, that is not part of bhakti. 
there's something, um, just the other thing that's coming to my mind about it is, I, Prabhupada was constantly saying to us, you are not this body. Right. You know, practically every mm-hmm. talk he gave that was a part of right. teaching, you know, he definitely wanted us to yeah. do that. Yeah, um, we do that here too. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about Prakriti Sahajya um, in terms of jumping, you know. Yeah, like I said, you, you, you have to know where the goal is and you have to know where you are. So you have to go piece by piece. We can't just jump into rasa. You, and you will realize the difference between uh, Atman and Maya in the context of bhakti before tasting rasa. So it will come first in that sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a foundational point of all schools of Vedanta. I mean, it's, it's, it's central to our whole worldview. Again, consciousness is not... Uh, Product of the of the brain and epiphenomenon of the brain. It's not, uh, um, and it's causal. It has causal efficacy in the world and so forth. These are all. And when we go over these points, over and over and over again, we try to do it in the contemporary, with contemporary sensibilities with regard to the arguments and philosophical currents in the world and in science today, so that we can speak about it in in a way to educated people that they might see that we have. We're not just religious fanatics here. Hmm? As far as the Sahajya whole thing goes, um, I, I, it's uh, it's really these. Of course, there's different ways to look at that. I think the way you're looking at that is um, uh, those who um, are um, unbecoming because they are ahead of themselves, so to speak, in their head, um, and and not giving attention to foundational points that are important. Once I was asked by a devotee um, who was, this was years ago, who was a member of ISKCON, he was at the time, I was not, and he had been hearing from uh, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, and so he asked me, he said, how, how can you hear, how could Sridharmars talk about high topics and then people wouldn't get confused? Because in his circle, apparently, higher topics were being discussed and some people were becoming confused. Hmm? And and imitative or, or whatever, the kind of thing, that the problem that you're seeking to address in one sense, right? So I replied to him, I said, well, actually, Sridharmars, he tended to think of, talk about the lowest things in the highest way, and more than higher things. <laughs> and then, you know, very tastefully also, the ideals. So we emphasize the ideals here, the goals and so forth, uh, that it might be clear. And we get to work where, where, it's, where it's necessary to apply ourselves relative to our adhikar. And that's very important. Yes. Okay. Um, Surprising one that's, you know, I have friends, I live near Woodstock, that has people that are into all kinds of spiritual paths. Yogis and gyanis and, yeah. A lot of different gurus. 
neo-Vedantins. And, you know, I get into discussions with my friends all the time. You know, I, I have one friend that's very much into worshipping Divine Mother. Mm-hmm. And um, he just asked me the other day, he said, Prabhupada didn't worship Divine Mother at all. And he's, he's actually really into Kali, especially, <laughs> mm-hmm. of all the aspects mm-hmm. of Divine Mother, you know. And, um, you know, many people, they'll, they'll say, well, it doesn't matter, Shiva, Kali, Durga, they're all one in the end, you know. So that's a, an, another thing about the oneness, you know. And, I mean, I tell them what Prabhupada um, says, and, you know, whether they totally accept that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be artful in that uh, kind of situation to make... <laughs> Make a point in such a way that they may uh, not feel that it's sectarian and uh, it includes what they're thinking, but extends it and improves upon their thought. You know, Durga Kali is another name for Radha, also. Hmm? There's some confusion for me in that um, I haven't really read any other scriptures, but I've heard that there are, you know, Shiva Purana. Yeah, there are. You know, where they're saying. You know, the Chiva is, is the Supreme Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, how do you... You have to, you Prabhupada have to... Prabhupada used to say, well, Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita. Um, of course, we have the Bhagavad Gita. Um, but I, I don't quite know what to say, you know, when... Well, is, is the Shiva Purana correct, or is... The Bhagavatam, mm-hmm. correct, you know. Right. Well, that. Uh, are they all correct? You, 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 they're all correct. <laughs> they're all correct, but you have to study uh, Tathasandarbha for that, of Jiva Goswami. But the point is that the uh, the sacred texts are vast, and they speak in different ways to um, um, to create teachable moments for people in different. Um, uh, differently influenced by material nature. So, Shiva Purana speaks to a certain class of people who will who be attracted to Shiva. Hmm? Uh, they tend to be more tamasic in their influence and so forth. So you get a lot of people who like to smoke ganja and worship Shiva and so forth. So, it's a way of bringing them in. But if you, you know, the, the thing about Gaudiya Vaishnavism is it really takes this whole entirety of the sacred texts and looks at them and sees which Puranas are governed by which modes of nature. Hmm? Shiva Purana for the people in the mode of ignorance, Brahma Purana for those in the mode of passion, you have the Vishnu Purana, Padma Purana for people in the mode of goodness, you have the Bhagavad Purana, hmm? that's not about, that's about the Nirguna. And you have all the other Puranas glorifying the Bhagavad Purana. Hmm? So you have to bring out the quotes from the Shiva Purana, the Matsya Purana, the Kurma Purana, all paying obeisances to the Bhagavad Purana. But it's hard to do with people like that. You have to invite me up there sometime and invite your friends over and we'll give a talk or Maharaj and, and uh, try to help them, you know, get a broader perspective. Uh, there are some very kind of simple ways to uh, talk about our ideal. One of them that I'll share with you that may be useful is that our, it, it's one thing to love to exist. 
In other words, we we want to live forever, hmm? right? And so there are spiritual paths that teach us how we can be eternal, like the ones your friends are following, right? That's part of their ideal. They're going to get mukti, liberation. They're going to live eternally, and there's going to be a lot of bliss in knowing that I'm eternal compared to the lack of bliss that means I've got to make sure I got enough money in the bank to pay my mortgage and something's always going to come and get me and uh, and I'm on death row here so I'm I'm living with some inhibition some fear and so forth and to end all of that and and have the bliss of being eternal that's pretty big right to realize I'm not the body what could be bigger than that it's like that's, you're just breathless. You're not the body. It's, it's a, it's, most traditions just stop right there. What more could you possibly say? But that's the peculiarity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, there's something else to think about here. What? What could be beyond that? So, it's one thing to love to exist if your bliss is knowing that I'm eternal. That's one thing. But there's another thing which is another idea, which is to exist to love. Which is better? To love to exist or to exist to love? That is bhakti. Hmm? That is our path. That is what our Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Prabhupada taught. And what if you um, exist to love, love. Is, the, is to love people? Durga or somebody else? Then you have to ask them, how, how will you love her hmm? if you're all one? When you attain the oneness, how will you love? Who will you love? There's only one. You'll be loving to exist, but love has movement, not shanti, shanti. shanti. That's peace. They want peace. We want peace and love, <laughs> both. So they want to. They want to love Durga, for what? Or Kali for what? So that they can get mukti. That they can become one with Kali, with Shiva, and then there's no more love. So they're loving to exist. There's love there, but they're not loving to love. <laughs> See, bhakti is only for its own sake. We're doing bhakti for, for more bhakti. So it's one thing to exist to love, to love to exist, another thing to love to exist. And any common person will go, yeah, to love to exist, that sounds like a better idea. Or to exist to love, it sounds like a better idea. Then you explain, this is how it's possible. Without leela, without some distinction in the context of the oneness between ourselves and the Godhead, how can there be reciprocal dealings? Hmm? Therefore, bed abed. Hmm? You want abed. We want bed and abed. And everybody wants bed and abed. Just take love, for example. In love, everybody wants to become one. And then everybody needs a little space for themselves, too. <laughs> so, you know, like, take Eastern Europe, you know, it was all the, the, the one, the Soviet bloc. And then everybody wants their own, on this stand, that stand. You know, what, there are many different countries there. I don't know them all, forgive me. But they all want their ethnicity and difference and distinction and so forth. So everybody wants unity and everybody wants diversity. At the same time, the Mahaprabhu says it's it's possible in our sampradaya you can have unity 
and diversity. You can become one in love with the Godhead. Love is about becoming one. Hmm? That's a fact. In love, how it happens, though, is I take your heart, make it my heart, and uh, you take my heart and make it your heart. So there's still you and me. You're working only for my desires. I'm working only for your desires. Sadhanam hridayam mayam. Krishna says it. Devotees are my heart. Hmm? And I am theirs. Hmm? This is love. So there's a unity there. Hmm? Kishore and I are one. This doesn't mean I'm Kishore and Kishore is me. We haven't disappeared. So there's oneness and there's difference. And there need be for love. So the, the metaphysic of a Chintu Beta Beta mandates that there be movement in transcendence. That's extraordinary. You want to love? Hmm. Then, then the, Krishna is the, is the heart of the Hindu pantheon. Look at them all. Hmm. There was a lady once, came to Pujapad Sridhar in his moth many years ago. She was, a, you know, Bengal is a lot of Kali worshippers. So she was a worshipper of Kali. Hmm. And kind of a sadhu type of a, of a lady. So she came to hear from Sridhar Marsh. And so, you know, he's a bhakta. So she was looking for some philosophical discussion, right? Hmm? Making the points and let's go back and forth and so forth. And he said, he said, he could understand that just by her disposition. So he said, describe Kali to me. What is the picture? You know, she's riding on whatever and eating a goat or something. I don't know, you know. It's like not, you know, and now, okay, now let me describe Krishna. Well, now you decide, you know. <laughs> we just, we to love. If you want to love, Kali's fine, but if you want to love, that's Krishna. He is, represents the romantic heart of the Absolute. Buddha represents the wisdom, you know, so many, you can, Christ, the sacrifice. The Krishna uh, represents the romantic heart of the Absolute. It's, it's very hard to get away from that. Hmm? Krishna, all the gods and goddesses, they've all got something to do. Hmm? Shiva's meditating. Hmm? He's got something to obtain. Krishna is the only one who has nothing to do. He just playing his flute. If he's got, he's, if he had, secretly he does have something to do. He's trying to capture Radha's attention. But, but, but the point is that he who is only playing is he who is all powerful. Because it takes power to play. If you want to have play, have a vacation, you have to have power. You have to have some time off. You have to have some money in the bank. That's power. Hmm? So he who is depicted in the Hindu sky, heavens, if you will, who is only playing, he is all-powerful. How can you dismiss that? Right? Hmm? And he's inviting everyone to play with him. Hmm? So if you if you want mukti, that's fine. We've been, that's your samskar. You take it. We 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 will. We not we don't have to argue with you, but we have very something very positive for you to consider. Hmm? That prem, that 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 bhakti can give mukti, but mukti cannot give bhakti. So you tell me which is more powerful. You ask them, can bhakti give mukti? Yes, yes. Can mukti give bhakti? Hmm? What? Hmm? The answer is no, actually. Uh, not, not, not the kind of bhakti we're talking about. Hmm? 
There is a kind of bhakti, obviously bhakti is included within mukti, but pursuing mukti, this type, Brahma Sayuja, which is what they're acquainted with, uh, there there's no movement. Hmm? The Surup Shakti is not operative there. Hmm? In Vaikuntha, the Surup Shakti is more operative. Therefore, Bhagavan, is, who is Brahman, is Bhagavan, hmm? is Paramatma, the Paramatma or or Bhagavan Narayan in Vilas, he's moving the power of bhakti. In Vrindavan, he's moving that much more. Krishna's always moving. He doesn't sleep, practically. Hmm? Bhakti's got him going constantly, uh, 24 hours a day. Hmm? With the power of bhakti. Brahman is still. Hmm? Although he's the supreme enjoyer, he does still have... Because you, you're saying uh, Shiva has something to do. Or, yeah. I guess all, all the demigods have something to do. And Krishna seems to have some work to do. He has to kill all these demons. See, that's a secondary thing. See, that's a secondary part of Krishna. That's the Vishnu in Krishna. Krishna yeah. himself has nothing to do. That's not Krishna Vrindavan. That's right. Lila. That's why Krishna says, explains... It, Krishna, it was the Vishnu in Krishna who killed the demons. Because Vishnu is inside of Krishna. He's fine Bhagavan. All the forms are in him. But Krishna himself, ah, he's, he's the lover of Radha. He's the friend of Sridham. Hmm. He's the son of Yashoda. These are his three identities. He's the son of Yashoda. He's the friend of Sridham. He's the lover of Radha. Hmm. This is who Krishna is in Braj. That is the full face of the Absolute. He has, he has nothing to do but play. All right, so Bhagavan Shri Krishna ki jai, Radha Madhava ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi, Vanchakal Patruvyas Chakripa Sinduvye Vachcha Patitanam Pabane Bhi Vaishnam Bhi Manamonama, Ananta Gauri Vaishnam Bhi Manamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamonamon